0: Hiring the wrong executive costs you time and money. Leveraging work psychology, Spirit Consulting helps you hire the right executive so you can focus on growing your business. For a free quote, visit spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Tips for Team Building podcast where our mission is to inspire and propel others along in their leadership journeys. So excited to connect with our guest today, Angela Bishop. Uh, Angela, thank you so much for taking the time today. And for those who don't know you, I always like to start off the show with who are you?
1: Uh, Thanks, Jayden, for the introduction. Um, My name is Angela Bishop and uh, new in my position at Ronald McDonald House uh, Charity of Western Washington and Alaska. Um, I am a native Montana, so if there's any Montana folks, uh, my first 30 years were there, and I've been in uh, Washington for the last couple of decades, Uh, mom of four teenage daughters, so a little bit busy, and uh, and I've been in nonprofit probably for about 10 years. But my original um, career trajectory started out as a high school history teacher, and uh, when I was working in Montana, I also uh, worked for 10 years as a backcountry wilderness ranger for the Forest Service. So a couple of different careers uh, that led me into my, my current role.
0: I love it. I love it. Such a diverse experience. And wow, for uh, four teenage daughters, you definitely have your, uh, your hands full. I have a, a sister who's turning 17 in July. Um, so I can definitely like, you know, could definitely relate to just having one teenage, uh, you know, uh, sibling in the household, yeah. <laughs> you know, versus four. That's just, uh, kudos to you. How do you do it?
1: <laughs> Lots of energy. There's a lot of energy. Uh, and I get out, get out of the house a lot. And, uh, I find, I also find my quiet space in the house with the book. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> Awesome. 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 So, uh, Angela, you kind of gave us a rundown and, you know, kind of the various roles that you, you've held and the new role that you're in at the Ronald McDonald House of Western Washington in Alaska. Can you just kind of give us a little bit more insight into how you've gotten into the leadership position you're in today?
1: Sure. Uh, It's a bit of a winding path, as I think it is for a lot of folks. Uh, When I was, you know, growing up, I didn't say when I grow up, I want to be an executive director of a nonprofit. Um, So it's interesting. I I would have to say I'll go back to my career as a high school teacher uh, is really where I think I honed my my leadership style. And I say that because um, I taught uh, uh, sophomores, juniors and seniors. I had 150 students um, and I'll tell you what, they definitely know when you're not prepared, they will call you out. Um, There's no cubicle to go hide into if you're having a bad day. So what I learned, I think from my, uh, and I was a teacher for eight years and I have the utmost admiration um, for for teachers. It is truly a a really rewarding and challenging job. I would say what I learned from that though, uh, my students taught me, um, and I, I always said, you know, I hoped that I was the greatest student in the class because I really learned so much was really the importance of being genuine and transparent. Um, because uh, speaking to teenagers, nobody calls you out like a teenager and they can sense, you know, if you're being disingenuous, they can catch it right away. If you weren't prepared, you don't show up as your true self. Uh, they'll call you out on that. And so I, I, I really have my students to thank for, I think, um, sculpting that and, and really making me a better leader uh, for who I am today. And, you know, I think a lot of folks don't equate teachers as leaders, but um, I I see that, you know, a lot. And I was able to, um, hopefully I was able to take the best characteristics of that and transfer it to my current role.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I remember, you know, with us talking, uh previously that one of kind of the drivers for you to like get out of education and want to make a bigger impact in the nonprofit world was was Columbine and, you know, the the events there. And I think that you're seeing, you know, with some of the recent like school shootings and such as well, you're seeing a lot of teachers who are making that move out of the teaching profession. Um, so I think it's important to highlight like how those skills are transferable because not everyone sees that, but you know, definitely they definitely are.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I it was teaching was my hardest job, uh, and it, it really. I don't want teachers to leave the profession by any means, but it's it's an incredible skill set for sure that can um, be transferred to a lot of other um, professions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, Angela, you are, you know, leading a, an organization that's, you know, four to five million dollars, very large, making a big impact. You're the executive leader for a team of 30 plus individuals, um, and that's no small feat. So kudos to you first. But then, you know, the the question I have from there is like, what is your approach to building relationships as a leader? That's
1: a great question. Uh, well, I will speak to my m- most recent, uh, experience and the job that I'm in now. I started in late February. Now we're, uh, going into June. So my first, um, 30 days. So one of the things I did was I did, uh, buy the book the first 90 days, and I can't remember the name of the author, but I'm sure folks know. Um, and not to give a plug cause it, it's, it's a, he's doing well on his book sales, but I, I did use <laughs> that as my guide. Um, and one of the, the things that he advises is to to meet one-on-one with with everybody um obviously with your direct reports i think he said with your direct reports but i really um went beyond that and i tried to meet one-on-one with all 30 staff and uh, it took me a couple of months to do that so um you know setting up one hour uh, meetings with them and just really um it was information gathering and there were some, some questions that I lifted from that that book. Um one of the questions was, you know, what are some opportunities that you see? What are some changes you would like to see? What are strengths, current strengths? And it was um it was really interesting, and I gathered all of that information, took a lot of notes uh, from you know, from director level, senior managers, all the way down to folks who are really doing the hard work on the front line. And it was interesting in that process, um, some of the, the staff would come up and say, I didn't even know where the executive director's office was. So, you know, just really breaking down some of those barriers, those silos uh, was, was one of the first steps. Uh, and so I think, um, and also the first step in, in trust building. Um, and really, I think out of that information gathering was also an opportunity to understand the culture um and obviously what's you know what's been successful up to that point what are some challenges and opportunities that they see and then i've compiled all of that information and kind of disseminated it into you know some patterns or trends or themes that we can then take um and, and determine, you know, where do we want to go from here now that we have this information? And I um, share that out with the staff in a very general way so that people can't identify. But because you want to be able to, that was the other thing is that you want to build that trust. So making sure folks know in this, these conversations that we're having uh, that, you know, th- that, that they feel safe and that they they feel like they can um, share information And I really approached that relationship building piece. I think what was helpful for me is, yes, I'm the executive director, but I'm such an outsider. I use that as my advantage. Uh, And what I mean by that is I can come in as a consultant almost. So I kind of put on a consultant hat. And that's when, you know, whatever they say, it doesn't, um, you know, they can um, say the positive, the negative, the good, the bad, the ugly because I'm new here and I'm truly just trying to understand. And so I think that um, uh, lifted things a little bit so that they, they felt um, a little bit more open to share. So, um, and I got a lot of good feedback um, from staff. They were saying, you know, I hear you're talking, you know, you're, the, you're meeting with folks, that's huge. That, and, and including not only the staff, but I also identified some longstanding volunteers that had been with the organization for years and, and met with them as well
0: that's awesome that's awesome and uh yeah to not to not further uh plug the book i won't you know mention that it's on my desk right next to me as well because it's a book that i read you know coming into my new role as well yeah. <laughs> so he's uh whoever that author is um i'm not sure off the top of my head uh but definitely making an impact <laughs> in yes. that way yes. but um so angela you know coming into a new organization especially like you know as a, you know, I've, I've had experiences, you know, coming in as like a manager or a leader within an organization, but never as like the, the top dog, right? <laughs> and like, that's kind of the, uh, the role that you've, uh, you know, you've assumed uh, at the Ronald McDonald House. And I'm sure that there are just, you know, some, some differences in terms of like, you know, culture, or in terms of like, you know, we spoke to relationships, or just processes, and the way things are done, um, can you kind of talk through like how, you know, how you're able to adapt to a culture when entering a new position and what are some of the specific challenges that that are faced when doing so?
1: Yeah, I, definitely. That's a good question. Um, well, I would say coming into this, it, it does help that I'm wearing, um, you know, I wore that consultant hat for the first, you know, three months, if you will. Uh, I stepped into a role uh for my predecessor had been here for seventeen years, so there were definitely systems in place uh and it's there's a a bit of transition for sure as as staff are trying to figure you out you know what are <laughs> what's she like um what, what are her boundaries and you're trying to figure them out as well, and I would say. Um, and this kind of goes along with change is just being mindful that, um, you know, they hired you for a reason. So I'm kind of being mindful of what that was, uh, and being true to yourself that this is my leadership style. This is my approach. And then once it will inevitably bump up against the culture, uh, sure. And so then it's like, oh, there's that, there's that, that hard spot, there's that boundary um, and, then would, and then thinking that through. So how much do I wanna push through that? Or do I wanna just kind of come back and pause and we'll revisit that when the time is right. So it's, I, I don't have any magic formula. It's really, um, it's intuitive in some ways. Um, there's emotional intelligence involved and I, you know, I'm at an age where I think I've, I've learned a bit of what works and doesn't work. I definitely, when I was younger, I'd be like, yes, we're going to make change (laughs) yesterday and, you know, no patience and obviously learning the hard way what, you know, that didn't work. Um, so I think, uh, and you know, in the reading, um, several different leadership books. And I, w- I would say what resonates with me is really understanding what people's capacity for change is, And so just being, um, are they ready for that? They're not quite ready for that. And it could be, uh, on an individual basis, it could be by your, by team, by department, um, and by org organization wide. And for those of us who report to a board, um, so you'll, probably most folks would would agree with this, that change happens from within and then you got to kind of catch the board up. So um, I'm definitely experiencing that. So I think just being mindful of what everybody's capacity is, but also I think your job as the leader is to push that envelope. So you do kind of have to be that that hard edge that yes, I understand concerns and anxiety and we're going to work through that. Um, the other piece I would say Uh, And I want to focus more on culture because I know that was the question Uh, is what do you want from that? What do you want to keep from that culture? Because obviously they've been doing some great work. You love the mission. Um, What resonates with you? What do you want to make sure that you continue on? And because that means a lot to folks, um, those traditions um, and, you know, understanding what their values are. Um, I will say this in my current role, there's actually not an adopted, uh, there are no adopted values or a vision. So that is something that we get to um, uh, undertake this year as a board and staff. But those, there are those inherent values that they have, and they do it. And it's, and so I've been writing those down, those, those words come up in conversation hospitality, compassion, nourishment. I'm like, okay, those are, those are pieces that, um, that are really important to the staff. So also I think as you're trying to figure out what the culture is um, I, I take a lot of notes and, and when those words uh, pop up, I definitely um, write those down and then come back. Tell me more what you meant by that when you said that.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think you, you hit on a couple things that, you know, kind of wanting to follow up on. I mean, First, just the the EQ. I think it's so, and like just knowing, like adapting to, because that that was really the question: is how do you adapt to a new culture, not how do you implement your culture, how do you right. like do yeah. this, but how yeah. do you kind of like you know um, intertwine the two? And I think that you know having that emotional intelligence, like it's easy to be like, you didn't get into the role that you're in today by just being like complacent and, you know, just sitting around. So like you have a lot of ambition and drive and things that you like want to happen, but just being able to kind of like recognize which ones of those are like high priority and which ones of those can we kind of like take a, take a step back and kind of hold on until you've, you know, established that trust and that uh, credibility, you know, in terms of the the high priority items that you're pushing forward.
1: Yeah, yeah, trust and credibility. I totally agree with you on that. Those are very important.
0: Yeah, awesome, awesome. And I think that so you mentioned as well, just being able to, um, you know, look at various, you know, leadership books and like organizational leadership books. Um, one that I would recommend if you haven't read it yet, especially with. Um, was kind of where you you all are at and like casting the vision or casting the values, a book that we read here at Spirit um, is called Traction, and oh, they use um, and, and there's a little bit more of a title to it, so I can uh, you know send that out. But it's by Gino Wickman, um, and it's called the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And, you know, for, for us being like a smaller, a smaller company and kind of like establishing those things, you know, it's really kind of meant for like those, those entrepreneurs, but it's also meant for like, you know, being able, you know, and, and is, can be used at large organizations. And it's all like kind of getting to the basics of like, what is your mission? What are your values? What are you know, where, where do you see yourself in, in 10 years? And it kind of creates like this system of like, okay, these are the meetings that need to be had regularly. This is what you cover Mm -hmm. in those meetings. And basically like just breaking down, okay, like our vision is our 10 year goal. Now we break that into three, a three year goal. Now we break that into a one year goal. Now we break that into like quarterly goals. And it just kind of helps you like stay laser focused on where you're wanting to go and kind of establish like, you know, controls for ensuring that the people that you're hiring and you're working with are like upholding the values that have been established. So it's a really great, you know, just kind of like manual in terms of like how to, how to establish those things and then how to like hold yourself accountable for them. Cause it's so easy to say like, Oh yeah, these are our values or these are, this is our vision. And then to get like stuck in the day to day, right. Or to get stuck in kind of the, the six months, but it really kind of helps you like keep that vision front of mind in everything that you do. I
1: love that. Yeah. Especially using values as you know, mentioning it, breaking it down by the 10 year, to five year to three year, quarterly, monthly. I, and and that's one of the things I'm telling, you know, when I talk to staff and they're really excited about going through that process because so much of what we decide, we lean on our values. And so and we as we should. Um, and I keep, you know, talking about how our our budget is a reflection of our values. So, what do we value? What's what's prioritized in the budget? And so, I really look forward to going through that process. And I will look into that book because that sounds like a good guidebook for um for the for us trying to figure out, um, you know, this organization will be celebrating uh, forty years next year, and they've been doing incredible work for forty years. Who are we, uh, and where do we want to go? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, another book that you had mentioned. Um, in preparation was the book, quiet, the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking. Um, so (laughs) wanting to kind of hear, you know, you wanted to bring this up. So just want to hear like why this was such a meaningful book for you and why do you recommend it to our audience?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Um, I, I would not recommend saying that you're an introvert when you are applying for a job. Um, (laughs) I had that backfire on me once and, but that's why I love this book is because it really speaks to, we live in the American culture just celebrates and elevates extroverts. And I have nothing against extroverts. I love them. Um, they, we need them in our lives, but for us introverts, I think um, it's a little bit challenging to, to navigate interviews and leadership because so much of leadership and especially in American culture is about that extrovert. And this book really resonated with me because she talks about how introverts have these really unique uh, leadership qualities that tend to not be as emphasized in extroverts. And in fact, either complement extroverts, uh, or, and, or, um, uh, they excel in c- certain areas where extroverts are a little bit more challenged. And so for, so I identify as, as an introvert. And what I, what I mean by that is I can, I can lead an organization all day, but I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, I'm exhausted <laughs> and I get my energy from going home and reading a book, uh, listening to podcasts, um, you know, paint by number, whatever, but I need my alone time, um, to re-energize and then I'm, I'm good to go again. And I think, uh, there's a lot of pieces in this book that she, and she gives examples, um, through, you know, I think she talks about the cult of personality, um, and how I really appreciate the historical, um, how she talks about that, um, and, uh, through, through the, the, the decades. And I don't know, I, I think For me, it really resonated, especially as a woman, because so much of what is expected of a leader are definitely probably um, attributes that you would identify more with a a masculine leadership style approach um, and it's valued more. So I think you know, and again, I'm speaking as a woman, um, I think women or myself, I've tried to fit into that mold of what is expected as a leader, but you also have to be careful not to be too much of a leader in that style as a woman. And this one just kind of allows, I think this book really allows that introvert to, um, uh, to, to, to be natural in your style and that those, those attributes can actually um, lead a very strong organization. And she highlights, um, uh, you know, some fortune 500 companies that have been led by um, extra or introverts and then um, and then compares uh, with extrovert leaders as well. And again, not diminishing the, the strengths of extroverts. We definitely need them. But I, I think again, Um, it just has, it's the first book that I, that I came across where it speaks specifically to an introvert and how they can really, um, uh, uh, provide a lot of those, those skill sets that you normally wouldn't see in, in an extroverted leader.
0: Have you been feeling unfulfilled? You want to be happy, but just continue to struggle. One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity I've grown to love, River of food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel, knowing that you're helping feed children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, visit riveralightchicago.org. Again, RiverlightChicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. Yeah, I love it. And how uh, how great of us to be, you know, breaking the stereotype of two introverts on a podcast together. Yeah, look so <laughs> so uh, let's go, Angela.
1: <laughs> That's Good job, super,
0: Yeah, it's super exciting. <laughs> um, and, you know, definitely like also here of like, you know, it's even more more challenging. And, you know, obviously I can't relate to, you know, the piece about being a woman in leadership, but, you know, have just like talked to so many people and heard of like, you know, it's really like, So difficult to like find that balance because, like you said, if you're like trying to like fit in with that like super hyper aggressive, extroverted, like masculine type leadership style, then you're just a jerk and (laughs) you're just like, you know, super like everyone, like, it's like, oh my gosh, this person. But then, like, if you, you know, are more reserved in that way, then it's like, okay, like you're not assertive enough and you're not, you know, doing that. So, could definitely like, you know, just appreciate you sharing that as just like another perspective of not just like introverted, you know, being an introvert and being a leader, but being a woman leader and an introvert (laughs) and like, you know, kind of how like you've had to like overcome some biases or stereotypes to like get to the position that you're, you are. Um, so super, um, you know, meaningful there and just appreciate that. Um, so Angela, you know, just wanting to kind of, you know, and thinking about, we talked about like, you know, how you build relationships with staff and how we kind of like build like culture and 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 commitment to the organization. You know, in the nonprofit world, it's no secret that the jobs aren't, you know, as high paying, <laughs> you know, as some of the for-profit uh, positions. And, you know, it means that like, historically, you're seeing a a lot less of like a talent pool for, you know, people who like make a career out of this. I mean, you said yourself, like, I, I didn't, you know, dream about this growing up, like, it just kind of happened, right? So you, you see people like, you know, making uh, careers more in the for profit sector than, you know, the not for profit. So, you know, wanting to kind of hear, like, knowing that there is that, that shortage of like dedicated professionals in the area. There are so many nonprofits that are, you know, providing such great services. What do you like, what is your secret and what do you consider to be most important in retaining staff?
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Um, well, I would first of all say I I'm learning on that topic, especially now in this economy uh, with inflation, and um, I'm in King County, Washington, which is one of the most expensive places to live. Um, our cost of living is is pretty horrendous, and so it is hard. Especially, um, we live in a more affluent part of Seattle. And so to our, our organization is um, based there. And so it is tough when you've got staff that are commuting, you know, a good hour and a half away because that's where they can afford to live. Um, and that is something that, you know, every nonprofit in, in this area is, is having to um, we've, we've been having to for the last 10 years trying to figure this one out. I think to, to your point, um, compensation is important. Obviously, having a, what's uh, what we call a living wage. So taking into consideration, you know, 30% of your income goes to a mortgage or, or rent. So you need to be making at least that. So that's kind of what they're basing it on and the number of people in your household. So. We've been looking at those, those surveys of wages in King County and trying to be competitive in our industry. Um, obviously we can't compete with Amazon, which is also here and Google and Salesforce and all of those other organizations. <laughs> Uh, but people are gra- gravitate to this profession for a reason, as you mentioned, not so much for the compensation, but at the end of the day, it, it is nice to be compensated. So right. looking at what can we do to be competitive and provide that living wage. And that's kind of where I was talking about and your budget is a reflection of your values. Um, So making sure that uh, we are paying um, all of our staff a living wage. So not just um, admin leadership, but also all um, to our our frontline staff, our facilities and maintenance and making sure that we're being competitive with that. So with that in mind, keep, um, I think that's, that's part of it and then having opportunities from growth within. So how do you make sure that people can do this in your organization? So is there more, of management lead um, positions that they can take. So if they go from, you know, case manager one to case manager two, case manager three, building that upward growth within the organization and providing uh, the coaching and the professional development that goes with that. I found that that's huge. Um, and then I think the other piece uh, that people especially uh, are craving, um, and have always craved, but it seems like it's, it's more needed now more than ever as we, just seem to be living in a, in a more fragmented, you know, world with social media and, um, just an overabundance of too much is, is connection. And so, um, and with COVID, (laughs) I know that's been hard too, is, so how do you provide that connection among your staff? Um, I, uh, I will say, as I said, I'm, I'm learning. Um, I was just listening to a podcast again. She doesn't need a plug, uh, but Brene Brown on her um, dare to lead uh, one of her podcasts and it's talking about toxic culture. And it's, that's a pretty meaty podcast um, that that t- particular um, session. And I've been taking notes on it, but it was interesting. One of the things that they say, in order not to have kind of the anecdote to toxic culture is just the simple team building, social social gatherings. I mean, we're just craving that. It's just something as simple as um, we're gonna provide lunch today, come meet us you know, outside on the patio. Um, and so I, I find that that's been uh, a huge piece. And then the other piece that I have learned from my one-on-one interviews is just really wanting to be valued and recognized for the work that they do. Whether it's it's cleaning the floors of our facilities, to I just secured you know a five thousand dollar check from from a donor, whatever that recognition can look like, some something as simple as that. So I've been trying to um, include that in in my. Um, What I've been doing lately is doing an executive, I call it executive director update. So it goes out once a a week, which is, um, it's a bit of work for me, but it's important right now because we're going through so much change. And I do those recognition in those email updates. So kind of shout outs and then infusing that throughout the organization. So it's not just me doing the shout out. I'm modeling that behavior, but that we also have opportunities for staff to do the shout outs of their peers and their colleagues.
0: I love that. I love that. And so, much, so like many directions that we could go from there. I think that, um, you know, in the interest of keeping us on time, we won't probably dive too deep. But I do think that, you know, as mentioned earlier, um, the book Traction, one of the things that they, you know, recommend is like, they do, you know, weekly, weekly meetings, you know, with like the leadership team, and then like, you know, each team, you know, so let's say like operations or development, finance, whatever it may be, you know, each team has a weekly meeting and starting out each of those meetings with what they call a segue, which is just sharing like the best business and personal news that you've had in the last week. I like that. Yeah. And it's just another way to like you said, with connection is like, it's so easy to just like get stuck and like, you know, you jump in a meeting now we're talking business or like we're just such, you know, we're in a grind, you know, and you're, you're all's case. Like, you know, uh, you know, beds are full and, you know, we, we need to figure this out or we we're on a tight, you know, deadline to get this many donations. Like, it's so easy to just get like stuck in the work. Um, but just being able to like create that connection and like having having a piece of your meeting like chunked out to be able to do so is just um, something that we found very, very beneficial.
1: That's a great idea. Well, I think we'll do that at our next staff meeting.
0: <laughs> <good>. I, like <laughs> I it. love it. I love it. So one of the things that you you mentioned earlier, Angela, when kind of talking about like the, the change in the culture um, management is like that, the changes happen within and then you have to kind of like catch the board up, right? So you're in a unique position of like, you know, we could talk about like how you you manage and hold your team and hold your team accountable and lead them to victories, but in a unique position where you're the top executive for the organization. Um, So just kind of curious if you could share how you approach managing the performance and expectations of your bosses, aka the board of direct, the board of directors.
1: Yeah. Oh, the board ED relationship is <laughs> <it's> so interesting. <laughs> um, this will be, I think, board number five that I've worked with, and um, I will say, just nonprofit governance in itself is is challenging. It's it's very imperfect. So I think walking into it knowing it's imperfect, but it's the the best thing that we have so far. Um, I know there's some interesting research going on out there with some some experimenting on what nonprofit um, uh, governance could look like uh, without a board, but we're we're still far away from that. But in the meantime, I think there are, there's a lot of great resources out there on how to, to manage and partner uh, with, with the board, but you are truly doing both. And I would say that the best um, success that I've had with the board, it really depends. um, It's all dependent on having that strong relationship with your board chair. If you don't have that, um, it's, it's really hard to get any traction to get anywhere. So I think building that trust and that relationship um, from the get-go is, is hugely important. And I, I invest a lot of time in that. And I know sometimes it can be really challenging. Inevitably your board chair is, you know, this is one of many things that they are doing. And so trying to grab that coffee time, but I think um, once you've got that established and saying, you know, I, you know, really saying it's, it's a bit of a dance. And so really um, coming together and saying that we're partnering with each other. um, And I've got your back, you've got mine, this is how we want to approach. That's been really helpful. And I would say my current role, um, my board chair is really excited um, about um, improving our board engagement. uh, And how do we get the board more involved and engaged, which is I know is an ongoing um, issue with a lot of nonprofit boards is making sure that you've got really busy, they're, they're community volunteers and they're very, very busy. So how do you get them to care about what you're doing? Yes, they care, but how do you get them to also invest that time and their talent? Um, And so I think part of that is, uh, you know, we just had a board meeting last night and they got us, they got a, Flavor, they got a sense of what my leadership style was, and it's very, very different from my predecessor. So it'll be interesting, but I, I just want to tell folks out there um, it's okay through these leadership transitions. This inevitably happens. You might have some board members that are like, great, thanks, but no thanks, I didn't really sign up for this. Um, and that's okay. Um, And so I think some board turnover with when you have um, a change of turnover or you have a new uh, leadership at the executive level is very normal. Um, Because when the dust settles, you've got your core group and then you have opportunity to recruit and build that board as well. But having said that, so I'm looking at my board right now and figuring out where do we want to go and working with um, our executive committee. They definitely want more board engagement. So. I think identifying what does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, and making sure that the board is accountable, that they understand what their uh, their fiduciary and governance responsibilities are, making sure that they're getting out of the weeds, out of operations and back into their lane of governance. Because once you get them into governance, that's the fun part is we don't need to look at, why did looking at the, the finance line item, why did postage go up this month? Let's get you out of there and th- think about more like, you know where where do we want to be in two years? Do we want to be able to serve more families, and how do we do that? Uh, looking at our partners, if we you know we we see our partners being able to to treat more families, uh, uh, then that means that we're going to have to grow as well. Those are the big picture items and discussions that you want on the uh, the board to have. And then making sure that the board um, is accountable to itself. So I think building in that, um, that self-evaluation of individual board members, and there's a lot of fantastic tools out there for that, as well as um, having them uh, evaluate themselves as a board, as a body. And I think that's the other pieces I try to remind folks, because sometimes you'll have a board member that thinks that they're your individual boss, and you have to kind of politely get them to say, you know, As when you are uh, um, on a committee and you're or you're coming to the the office and you're you're volunteering to do something, you were acting as a volunteer, but the board as a body uh, does is is the oversight, the accountability of the organization. So sometimes those those awkward conversations need to be had, but you can build that into um, board education and development as well as um, the evaluations.
0: Awesome. And I think that that's so helpful for any, you know, nonprofit uh, leader who might be listening in um, specific to board governance. But I think you also made a point of like, when you have new leadership coming into an organization, it's natural to have some turnover. And I think that that's such a, um, like, that's um, a fact that like, just, could resonate with anybody you know listening in is like that as you as you enter an organization if you lose a few people along the way like obviously you don't want to but some of that is like meant to be and like just kind of recognizing that and not beating yourself up right because I think it would be easy to be like oh shoot we lost this person and like it's all my fault what did i do and like having some reflection is definitely good you don't want to yeah. think like oh yeah they they lost out whatever but you know you also like need to recognize that some of that just comes with the transition and change of leadership and it just promotes like an opportunity for you to be able to you know find someone who more aligns with where where you're going and where the organization's going you know collectively so i think that that's that's such a, a good point to kind of highlight
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just continuing to be genuine in your approach and who you are as a leader. And then your board will reflect that. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So, Angela, if uh, if anyone in the audience today was inspired by your approach, some of the stories that you have or would like to reach out for guidance or counsel as they're, you know, navigating some of these, you know, challenges themselves, how can uh, how can people reach out to you?
1: Uh, yeah, my contact information uh, definitely email is is the best way. I would um, love to connect with folks if they're interested and and learn from them as well. Uh, do you want me to say my email?
0: <laughs> yeah, let let's let's do it just <laughs> for a, sake of ease.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's Angela at R-M-H-C, uh, Seattle.org.
0: Awesome, 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 and we can include that in the show notes as well. Um, So Angela, just want to thank you so much for being a guest on this episode of the Tips for Team Building podcast, where our mission is to inspire and propel others along in their leadership journeys. I'm sure that this episode will do just that um, and really enjoyed the opportunity to reconnect and look forward to continuing the dialogue with you.
1: Thank you, Jaden. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to the Tips for Team Building podcast, where we propel others along in their leadership journeys. If you enjoyed the show, would you please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listened? You can also visit www.spiritmco.com to find out more about how Spirit Consulting inspires virtuous leadership. We'll see you next time.